Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. If you're listening to this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows at Castro's and Lakeway, and an events page for live shows in both Austin and Houston. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, I'm sitting down with somebody that I like to describe as the yes girl. She takes on absolutely any adventure you throw her way, whether it's traveling across the world, jumping off bridges, or just touring with a, a, a headlining comic, and trying new shows, she is willing to jump in with both feet. Uh, during COVID, she co-hosted Triple Threat, an online show with Big Laugh Comedy Network. Uh, before COVID, she toured with Jen Fulweiler. She is the co-host of the podcast All Is On, which if you listen carefully, that is a wordplay. And uh, <laughs> she's an actress, a model, a fitness guru, and her joie de vivre is absolutely contagious. And thanks to my son, I can actually pronounce her name. And now Comedy Wham presents Allison Voidovich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wait, how does he... How did your son help you? Does, does he speak Polish for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, you were on either the first or second online comedy show, the isolation yeah. comedy show that we were doing. And he's just a naturally gifted, uh, he, he just hears things and can retain them, reads things and he can retain them. And in the early days of the, the show, he'd watch religiously, like by my side. And yeah. we, when he heard your name, he just like committed it to memory. I and, love that. And I'm like, nobody can say her name. And he said, <laughs> it's super easy. It's Voidovich. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had to make a joke about it. Eventually, I'm just going to start going by Alley Woe. But yeah. for now, for now, I tell people like it's it's like void of itch. Like you yeah. want to get the itch, you know? <laughs> Everyone in Austin can relate. They've all had an STD. <laughs> Hey now, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I guess I, yeah, I know that there are some comics that go by you know alternative names so that they can avoid the the complexity of of a last name, or maybe it's just part of they want to create a different uh, persona for themselves as a yeah. as a performer. So that you know, with my name, that's not an issue. It's it's right. so common, but. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I just like my last name too much. At this point, I enjoy seeing people struggle with it. So. Yeah, <laughs> that and was kind of a choice too. <laughs> and it's your identity, so you know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for for coming on the the podcast. Thank you for waking up early, bright at. Uh, <laughs> we joked about this. Yeah. I woke up at noon for this and I'm drinking coffee. Honestly, I do like, I would say my normal wake up is like nine or 10. Yeah. Like this weekend I was just extra shitty and stayed up way too late. So <laughs> It's absolutely fine. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I like to start these off with an icebreaker question. So you're ready for yours? 
Yeah. All right. One word to describe your past. Oh, <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> you know, okay. You kind of like describe me as someone who says yes to everything. Uh, I'm just going to go lame. I was just going to say positive. I had a pretty positive past. Like part of me was like eclectic and the other part was like suburban. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of doing cool shit, but I also grew up in suburbia. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll just say positive. I'm very thankful for the things I've gotten to do so far. Yeah. Where where did you grow up, Allison? Round Rock, Texas. Oh, so you're a you're a nearby person. You're a native. I am. Yeah, the Austinites started letting me say I'm from Austin now cuz <laughs> they just hate everyone from California. So, yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any early comedic memories? Um, I just remember, like, I was the only, so my family's pretty small, and I was, uh, like, even just extended family, um, and I was the only girl of, like, the grandkids, um, on my dad's side, and that's the side that's down here, so I just grew up with, like, boy cousins and boy uncles and, like, all these dudes who are super sarcastic and... (sighs) Like, I, I just remember feeling like I was the least funny because they would always just, like, make all... Like, they they just are so quick, and they're still so quick. If you get my brother in the room with me, like, he will have me rolling in two minutes. And, <laughs> like, and, and so there's not, like, a specific thing where, like, I was funny. It was more like I was always insecure that I wasn't the funny one. Uh. <laughs> and, um, and it was never, like, t- you know, no one ever said that to me. You no know, it was like, oh, you're annoying. You're not funny, whatever. But it was just, like everyone in my family was so much funnier that I was like, Oh shit. I want to be like these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What kind of, what kind of things did you dabble in and in high school and and post high school? I was such a goody two shoes growing up. (laughs) Like all like, seriously, I was straight A's like super scared to ever get in trouble for anything. Never touched any alcohol, drugs, boys, like stayed away from everything. Um, but I was super involved in school. Like I was, I was the president of the theater club in my senior year of college as a thespian. So I did very heavy into theater. Um, did some sports growing up, volleyball, gymnastics. Uh, and yeah, by the time I was done with high school, I was like, what do I do in college? And, um, found out that I could actually major in theater and, then got scared because I was like, this isn't a real degree. So I added mm-hmm. a kinesiology degree. <laughs> um, so ended up double majoring at UT um, in acting and kinesiology. And That's a powerhouse combination. Yeah. My advisors hated me because I would literally <laughs> like the theater advisor, like didn't trust the theater students that we would actually sign up for the right classes. So he like made us all meet with him every semester before we registered and I would just walk in with both of my syllabi and be like, yo, I need this for this and I need this for this. I'm taking 18 hours next semester. Here you go. Please sign off. And he would just be like, oh, my God, why are you in three sciences? And he would like cry. <laughs> he would cry because I was taking so much science. <laughs> but but yeah, I had to the goody two shoes in school, at least kept through through school, um, yeah. through college. Like I still really tried to get awesome grades and like. Yeah, definitely did have many semesters when I took 18 hours and like, because I wanted to just, I didn't want to stay another year. I was like, get me out of here. Like, (laughs) as much as I was a goody two shoes, I hated school all the way growing up. I, my, my thing was like, I just need to do the best I can and like rocket this so hard that no one questions it when I leave. Like, Uh. get out of here. (laughs) So, 
so so I get yes. the I get the kinesiology just to, you know just in case uh, background and and, mm-hmm. and degree. But what was it that you loved about theater? I loved in high school about it. It changed in high school. I I just felt like everyone was allowed to be themselves and. <laughs> And it, it, and it and I really liked Round Rock High School's theater program when I was in it because the two directors are still there. They're amazing people. Johanna Whitmore is one. She's like one of the best. She consistently is awarded one of the best actresses in Austin as well as like being a teacher there. And wow, um, Charles Hobby is just a dope guy. But like when I was in school there, it wasn't like the stereotype of like like sure we had some weird kids. Like we we're all weird. We we're in theater, but like. We also had like the head cheerleader was one of the major people like we had oh. people like with the captains of the swim team were consistently like major roles in this like and huh. so everyone like everyone liked the theater department and it really felt like just like a safe space for anyone and so I liked that because you know I mean it's it's you say it's a safe space but then if the captain of the football team walks in like the theater kids are going to give him a side eye usually you know mm-hmm. and it wasn't like that for us um and so I, I just really appreciated that and then when i got to college and started learning kind of like the different approach that college professors take to teach you we learned meisner methods so it was a lot more like <clears throat> like as if situations like you literally need to learn how to become your character and i was just always so fascinated with like every person has every character inside of them. It just is Mm -hmm. mostly our external circumstances that cause certain aspects to come out. So like for the way they taught us was like, you know, Allison, you've never given birth and lost the child and then hated the dad for it, but you have that potential. Like if you were born as a blank slate, like there are other circumstances that could have caused that to happen to you. So Allison, if that happened to you, who you are right now, how would you react? And it just got me like thinking so much more about everyone else's experience and how we all have all of that in us. And I just Mm -hmm. found that so fascinating because how can you, how can you be mad at or hate anyone after you realize that? Right. And, and so I, I just really loved learning that. And also there's a lot of like self-work that goes into like being an acting school, like you have to understand your shit too. Like you have to understand what things in your life cause different things and why, you know, if you were in that situation, you would react differently than me. And why is that? You need to kind of understand yourself enough to know that like, if Valerie played the same character as me, it would never look the same. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. There's not a wrong answer. Um, But yeah, that was a long way of saying it just really taught me a lot about people and I, I loved it. <laughs> can you, can, if, if I ask you this, just right off the top of your head, what was your favorite theater performance as, you know, what was your favorite role? High school, I got to play Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Mm. She's, she's my favorite fictional character. Loved that. And then college uh, was a character named June um, in an original play that I got to be in the original cast for, um, my friend had written it and everything. And it was, it was this play called dust. And it was about these three sisters who were, who didn't have their parents anymore. They're, you know, old enough to not have parents, but, um, Mm -hmm. uh, they lived together during the dust bowl in the panhandle. And so my character, um, got pregnant out of wedlock and like had to deal with that during the dust bowl, you know, as a single woman. Um, and it, it challenged a lot of different things like, my character had an abortion on stage with a knitting needle (laughs) and and it's, and it's, you know, but it it raises a lot of like questions that 
were highlighted back then, you know, like it was such a scandal to be pregnant out of wedlock. You never thought about getting rid of the baby and like Mm -hmm. all these different things. And it's like, it's one of those situational things where how can you blame that person? It shows you like, you know, if you were to see that last scene and see her having that happen, you'd be like, how is this? A lot of people could just be like, how is this woman so dumb and like doing this? But it's like, no, she is a single woman living with her sisters in the dust bowl. They think they're going to die. Like, and she doesn't know how she's going to provide for this kid if she has it. So it's like, it's a, it was a really interesting, like mental game of how do you like someone who's killing a baby? (laughs) Like, you know, and obviously like I am pro choice and stuff, but it's like, if you just saw that one scene, it's a pretty violent scene. And so like, it was a really interesting way to lead the audience to understand empathy from any angle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the most challenging role for sure. <laughs> yeah, sounds uh, kudos to you for tackling Ooh. that. <laughs> so, did uh, did you get out with your degrees? I did. Okay. Yeah, I graduated in four years. Got the hell out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. And as as the uh, good goody two shoes who doesn't want to get in trouble, what? Uh, where did you land from there? I did not know what I was going to do after school. <laughs> like I, that was the one thing where I look back and I'm like, wow, I thought I was future planning and I was not at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the main goal was at first I, I had gotten all my certifications before I graduated college. So I was nutrition certified, personal training certified, just so I could hit the ground running. Um, and I realized very quickly that I did not want to be personal training full time. Oh, um, it's just a lot like it's, you know, it getting used to waking up early and all that stuff is fine. Like anyone can do that pretty much. But it was more so like you are on your feet having to be like the positive energy for someone who also like who doesn't want to be there at 6 a.m. working out like they're literally paying you because they don't want to do it. Yeah. And, um, and then you're probably there, you know, if you're lucky, you have clients from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. straight and then you can go home. But like no one's that lucky. You're usually at the gym for 12, 15 hours. Cause you've got an hour between clients or whatever. And so you're just there all day. Yeah. Um, and so when I was in college, I had started a, just a website to share recipes and stuff. Um, cause I was really into healthy cooking and it got some traction. I got some Instagram followers on my fitness page and stuff. And so my dad was like, why don't you turn this into like an online training platform? Like you, you can do that. Um, you already get website visitors, like just do that. And so I turned it into a, a company, like I legally made it a company um, and realized very quickly I didn't know anything about marketing. <laughs> so I took an internship with this uh, health alternative health company here in town called Paleo FX. They do a huge event every year in the paleo space. Um and just learned everything like intro level for digital marketing. Like I was basically like their, their get shit done intern. Like I just, anything I picked it up very quickly, like SEO, blogging, social media, email affiliates, like, like PR, like all these different things. I just kind of dabbled in all of it. Mm -hmm. And um, that just kind of led to where my company is now, where I offer services like that to other, mostly other health companies, um, but I am actually doing big laughs, social media and emails now too, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, a long series of events, but basically it just, it just led me into being a somewhat entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. 
So while you're you're feeding off of that, what's happening to the other half of you that has been doing theater and performing and acting? So that because you, your life has been filled with these dualities, yeah. or your college life had been li- filled with the dualities. Your theater life was eight plus years. Uh, yeah. Where did that go? Yeah, um, I was very sad the first year after college because mm-hmm. I I didn't get cast in anything. I wasn't trying to do stand up because um, I didn't know I wanted to yet. <laughs> and and full dis- like I'm pretty young. I'm 26, so like all- this was happening. Like I graduated college in 2017. Okay. So that year, or I guess like you know six months after that, I was pretty sad. And I saw this casting call for Shitface Shakespeare. Which a good friend of mine from college was in and he was like, dude, you need to come do this. Like Shakespeare is my favorite thing to act in. Uh Um, I love Shakespeare. I love reading it. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. That seems like blasphemy. And he's like, trust me. (laughs) He's like, trust me. This is so fun. And so I went and I got cast. um, And basically the shtick with Shitface Shakespeare is it's the full play, but they condense it to one hour because they don't want to keep someone drunk for three hours. Yeah. Um, and then one of the actors shows up four hours before the show starts and starts drinking. And, you know, it's very systematized. We take care of our drunk the whole time. Like we, it's, it was, it's very extensive, like safety precautions, all that stuff, but you're legitimately drunk when you get on stage. And, uh, and then the sober cast just has to deal with you. If you decide like when we were playing Romeo and Juliet as Juliet, I would hit on anyone but Romeo a lot of the time. And so like, <laughs> Like there were several lesbian weddings I was involved in. Like they just they just have to like figure out how to make some sort of storyline out of what the drunk throws at them. So even uh-huh. if like like there were so many times the audience would be confused because they would be like, I thought Romeo and Juliet died at the end, and we would be like dancing, you know, like, <laughs> like we would figure out a way to not die. Like it just, but you just have to go with it. And um, and it was that was kind of how I I got back into acting. Uh, after college because what a way <laughs> yeah and that's actually why I started stand-up because I felt like I was so bad at like improv and no offense but taking an improv class makes me uh-huh. want to like feel like I want to kill myself so <laughs> I, I was like I'm not taking an improv class but I love stand-up and they're so funny so I started creeping at open mics around town and then I was like fuck I need to try this and uh, yeah so it started out just as a tool to be better at like improvising and being funnier in that and uh-huh then stand-up just became its own its own passion (laughs) what what was it that finally like flipped the switch for you to go ahead and sign up for the the that first open mic and where was your first open mic kick butt was my Uh first open mic uh because it's like down the street from where i live Uh um and then the thing i think it was two things number one goody two shoes i had the security blanket of like going to several open mics and just watching and but like I was watching it like as an actor you go to a play and you always like notice things that they're doing backstage that other people wouldn't know so Mm. I was watching it like that where I'm like okay what's the host doing like oh they they seem to flash a light at the people when they're on stage what does that mean and like figuring out just kind of the etiquette of all of it Uh um and then uh so that like made me feel better I went to several mics and did that and then uh, my friend Sam Castillo, who is a comic here in town, he was one of my college friends. I was a sweetheart for his fraternity. Aww. Like, <laughs> so I like was good. Like, I knew him, and 
uh, when I was coming out of the gym that I worked at downtown one time, like I ran into him on the street and he's like in his business suit looking so sad. And I was just like, what's up, dude? And he was like, oh, I do sales here at this building. It was when he was working corporate and he hated it. And I made some comment like, hey, I saw on Facebook you're doing stand up now. And he's like, yeah, it's the best. And you could just tell he loved it so much. And I was like, damn, like I had no idea Sam Castillo was interested in that. Like, you know, I feel like like I hit him up and was like, yo, I think I want to try this. And he was like super encouraging. So between between him and just kind of like my own safety blanket of like <laughs> watching how it works and doing that, I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to get on stage and like tell a funny story and like uh -huh. I had no idea how to write a joke. So I was just was like, I'm just, I'm just going to go on stage and tell a funny story just to get myself to do the first time. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how did it go? What do you, what do you remember from that, that first? Set? I remember I was so scared. I was terrified. <laughs> and you have all um, this performance background. I know, but I was just like, it's so different. Cause like everything about acting is like, ignore the audience, like mm. stay in the world of the play. Like there's so much like, uh, yeah like the fact that they were talking to the crowd I was like you can talk to them oh my no these people are dumb don't talk to them like and uh yeah I just they made me so uncomfortable and so I was I was really nervous and I went up and like obviously it was bad but like I because of my stage experience at least my presence was good and like I smile a lot naturally so people didn't hate me it's not like I went yeah. up there and was like being annoying so um I went up and did that and then uh, Mitch McColsha saw my set and <laughs> since it was Wednesdays at kick butt at the time there were two other mics after and Mitch ran the late night one and so he was like hey like you should come to my mic it's a 10 tonight at, at tramps and I was like <laughs> okay and so I like remember the mic and so I had like ran home and my roommates saw me like rushing around and they're like what's going on and I was like I just got asked to do another mic oh my god and you know like at the time <laughs> It's literally just him trying to like get people to go to tramps because yeah. it's fucking tramps and <laughs> but yeah it was just so it was so ridiculous but yeah <laughs> uh it's so funny that you you say you know one of the things that you're taught as a, a performer in in theater is you ignore the audience because one of the things i've observed about you now that i've i've actually gotten to see you live and in person and not online is yeah. you like to engage with your audience it's a challenge to myself. Like that's the huh. thing that I feel the most like that's the thing I feel the most insecure about because huh. like yeah, like a lot of my jokes are kind of wordplay and stuff and so like you need to very specifically say a line the right way and so I it's like a challenge in my head to like notice up front who the rowdy people are being, especially like the show you saw me do. Like there were some rowdy people yeah. and so like I I want to like get ahead of it when I'm watching other people and be like, all right, this group is doing some shit. This group isn't paying attention, whatever. And so if there's something that I want to like get their attention for up top, I can kind of start there. <laughs> um, and that's also probably hosting experience. Like the tour, the tour that I did with Jen, like I was the host as well as the opener. So like you have to get the, the attention of the audience. Yeah. Um, and so it's also just like an attention grabbing tactic, but I also just love roasting and <laughs> it like gives you, it gives you an opportunity to kind of like roast people on the fly. If you pick people out of the audience and then that also gets their attention and then they'll actually watch your real jokes. Yeah. But, and you just did a roast show like, 
two nights ago, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Marty Clark and Craig Fergola have a roast show at Poor Choices on uh -huh. Thursday nights, and uh, yeah, they put Hunter and I, Hunter Duncan and I, against Gosh. each other. <laughs> I, I have the audio from it. It was good. Like, so I, I won the audience vote. I for sure think Hunter should have actually won though, because like. <laughs> they they laughed way more at him like he got he got like an applause break for one of his jokes and like then at the end they just cheered louder for me and I was like don't do that because I'm a girl like his jokes were great you know <laughs> like, I loved mine too they were it was a really solid roast but they clearly liked him more so I'm just like don't do that like, <laughs> all right let's let's go back a little bit back to those 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 first days of open mics and uh, you said you didn't even know how to write a joke. You just told a story. How did you figure out what would work for you? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think I just watched, like, I watched how the good people were doing it mm -hmm. and uh, and like i know hope carew was still in town at the time and um i knew her from college as well she also majored in theater with me so we had mm -hmm. classes together we were kind of friends and stuff and there was a joke that i was working on it was like my first joke that had like an actual punchline and she like helped me write the punchline and like when she when she gave me the option for it i was like oh I can literally just say something so ridiculous and it's funny because that's not what the crowd is expecting. And like, that was a huge, Oh shit. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, since then, like, I, I still don't even know what my writing process is. If I'm being <laughs> honest, like I'll, I'll get super into it and like, you know, spend like a week where I, you know, I set aside an hour a day to write and then I'll just not do anything for like a month, you know? And it's like, yeah. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and have an idea, and then I wake up the next morning and I know exactly what the joke is already. I'm like, what? The, what is this? <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, definitely just like hope helped me with that, and then like sitting with other comedians and just honestly taking their advice. Because if you go to open mics and like they see you working and trying out new stuff, like they're gonna have like the more perspectives you get, the more options of funny you have. So it's mm -hmm. like everyone just wants to help each other do it. It's not like they're gonna steal your joke because it's your joke. So like if they give you a punchline that works, like they want you to have it, you know? Um, and that's the community really was, was useful for that. Um, yeah. And just kind of understanding that. You've, you've gotten some really cool experiences, the tour with Jen, serious F, uh, XM, F, yeah, XM yeah. <laughs> uh, appearances. How, how does it feel as a, a younger comic to get those, those opportunities? Uh, I was, definitely nervous that there would be just like shade or whatever like yeah when I first got that because how know, did like, it come never, about uh, by being nice like, oh. literally, that's literally like I I cannot like I cannot emphasize enough like just be a nice person and good shit will happen like yeah I was at kick butt probably two months after I started comedy and I saw a woman with a notebook and I was, and, and at that point, like I felt like I knew who the female comics in the scene were, but I never got to meet them because they were either always on shows or they weren't coming to mics. Like those female comics just, and I'm super guilty of this now. Like the female comics just don't come to mics as much. Yeah. And, and, um, 
but at the time I was going out every single night, I was hitting eight, eight to 12 mics a week. And so I was like, why am I not meeting these women? Like I wanted to make friends with like female comedians and I just wasn't meeting them. And so I saw this woman with a notebook sitting at kick butt and I was like, damn, she's probably one of them that I haven't met yet. And so I went and sat down next to her and introduced myself and her husband was there and um, she's like, oh yeah, I'm Jen. Hi. And I was like, oh, Hey, like whatever, how long have you been doing comedy? And she's like, this is actually my first open mic. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and so she was asking me like, how does it work? And like all these things. Oh, and I gosh. was like, I was like, look, I'm only two months in, like, I'm not good. <laughs> I was like, but you know, here's at least like the logistics of a mic. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, she did that. And she was like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I was asking what I was doing. Cause I was still getting some work done. And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, I do digital marketing. I'm finishing someone's Instagram for them right now. And she goes, Oh, I love Instagram. Let's connect on there. And so we follow each other and she's got like 30,000 followers. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you really like your Instagram. Okay. And, uh, (laughs) and so, yeah, we just became friends and like, we'd hit each other up to hang out and write. And like, she already had her show on Sirius. She was famous, like in the Catholic space for, um, her her blog initially like she she ah. had gone from she had gone from atheist to converted catholic and she like wow. blogged she blogged the whole thing because she did not want to get a religion like <laughs> she was actually started the blog like to be like investigating and like be kind of anti-religion and um and so by the time i met her she was like this catholic influencer <laughs> and uh so she had the serious show she you know, her job was to do the the radio show and then she would go and speak at gigs. And so she had a lot of public speaking experience and her brand in that space was already comedic. And so she was like, I want to take it to the stage and like see if possibly I could produce my own tour. Um, And so she ended up doing that. She self-produced her tour. So I met her uh, and then let me think, what was the timeline on this? I met her in 2018 and then um, in FPIA 2019, she came to see my set. So Funniest Person in Austin 2019. That was my first one to do. Uh, she came to see my set. And after that, she asked me to open for her. And um, and yeah, and it was it was just really cool, too. Because, wow. like, you know, like, I'm I love hosting shows. So, like, getting the audience's attention is really fun. Like, just being peppy and, you know, get the crowd going. Like, I can do that. And that's fun. But she was like, you know, I need a host and an opener. But then I helped her with a lot of the business logistics, too. Like, that was a benefit as well, where we'd come up with different ways to, like, promote the show or um, just, like, manage things. And, and it was it was just really cool. Like, there were a lot – there were a lot of different levels of relationship at play there. Like, she's yeah. my friend, kind of a mentor, but I also help her with things. And it's just, like, it was it was very, very cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll admit that not knowing, not knowing you very well, not knowing her very well, but I, I know that I noticed that you were going on tour with her and I'm like, how did this, you know, young whippersnapper end up being like the opener for, for this yeah. national tour and knowing the backstory, you know, now I, I, I get it. And I hope that other, you know, anyone listening kind of gets it that sometimes it's not, uh, I, I forget what the, the word is like, there's comedy is so subjective and sometimes it's a meritocracy. Sometimes it's not. And this was a, a combination of, of merit. You earned it because you brought skills that she needed, but you also, like you said, you were nice and you struck up a friendship and it was like a mutual, 
um, mutual it, benefit. Yeah, and it wasn't a thing like like I said, I didn't know who she was when we became friends. And even yeah. when we became friends, it wasn't like I'm like, oh, how can I use this Catholic influencer to help further my comedy career? Yeah. But the you good, the, the good, uh, the 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 rule follower and the you know not rule breaker side of your personality wouldn't even allow that. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like that's you make friends with someone because you like them. And yeah. I again, like I didn't know who she was when I sat down with her at Kickbutt for the first time, and um, yeah, it's just it's just really cool. Like because now we're still just really good friends. We'll meet up and get lunch and have world takeover talks and <laughs> you know <laughs> things awesome. like that. Um, but but yeah, it's just to me like. But you talk to anyone who has success in any industry, and like it's so funny like seeing the similarities in the copywriting and the comedy industries because it's the same thing like the people that are running one of the best masterminds in the copywriting industry right now they've been friends since they were shitty copywriters in their early 20s mm -hmm. who no one wanted to pay attention to or give work to and now they run this multi-million dollar business yeah. teaching other people copy <laughs> and and it's this it's the same thing like you talk to any comedian like um any comedian that now has any like amount of of clout like yeah. and you ask them who their friends were coming up and they're probably about on the same level as they are so mm -hmm. it's like everyone kind of comes up together and as long as you know as long as you're like a good person and you click with someone and you're just friends because you want to be friends like it's mutually beneficial you know yeah. <laughs> what is the as a comic what is the the what would you say is your biggest takeaway of what you learned from the touring experience? Um, I greatly respect people who we would call road dogs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the mm -hmm. ones that, you know, have six shows a week in three different cities. Like, yeah. that's insane. Like, Jen has six kids and a husband in Round Rock, Texas. So, like, we had to structure it to where we would fly out for a weekend, do the show and then come home. And then we'd have like a, at least a week in between. Um, but if you're out like going for a month and you have 30 shows and you're going to 10 different places, I'm like, holy shit. Like that was a huge takeaway. Just how, how much travel actually can have a toll. Um, because I love traveling too. So I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know like traveling for work was like that. Um, still a blast, but it, it is a lot just being on a plane that much. Um, or even on the road, if you were going to a driving gig. Um, and then I also just learned a lot about like the logistics of, uh, clean comedy as mm. well as, as well as the difference between playing in a club versus a theater. Um, because her tour was self produced and she had a big enough audience that the smallest, the smallest theater we sold was 150 seats in New York city, but most of them, most of them were 300 seats or more like the Chicago theater where she shot her special was a thousand. Wow. So it was a big space and you like, I needed to have a clean set and she gave me 15. And so, um, about 12 club minutes is 15 in a theater that big <laughs> you need to learn how to like manage the timing more and luckily like acting experience helped me with that a little bit mm -hmm. um but it's a very different beast and then watching her feature acts they were completely clean 
killers, like so funny. And I just loved like talking to them about clean comedy. And they were just like, yeah, you know, like you may as well just write it clean. And if you want to like spice it up or add other stuff later, you can, but you would get, you get so much more work if you do clean comedy. Hmm. And um, yeah. So those are, those are the two biggest like professional things I think that I just found very valuable, really good conversations and just getting to watch those guys do a killer 20 minutes of clean comedy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I'm I'm surprised that one of the things that, that you didn't mention is you were raised here in, in Austin and you know, personal world and global travel aside, you started in comedy here and I'm surprised that one of the things that you didn't mention was the fact that going to other cities with your comedy that you've, you know, cultivated here in Austin you have to adapt or maybe it works in other yeah. cities. Yeah. Um, I had done, I had already done a few other cities by the time I did the tour. So okay. I had already kind of been exposed to that. Like okay. I had done Los Angeles and Phoenix a few times. Um, and yeah, I definitely used the tour as a way to like meet other local comics though. Like I would stay most, most stops I would stay at least two nights. And so the first night, I would just find whatever the open mic was nearby and go to it and like do a set, meet people, um, get in their Facebook groups, <laughs> all, those, <laughs> all those different things. Um, uh, but yeah, like what I found was like a lot of, a lot of my jokes worked regardless of where I was. It was obviously if there's a local reference, you need to change it. But like, uh-huh. um, especially in Phoenix, like the parts that I thought were the funny parts like they would laugh at the part that I thought was a transition and then they like I don't know like they just laughed at weird places that had never been laughed at before and <laughs> and so there was that kind of adjustment <laughs> but um but yeah other than that like it's it, it was pretty across the board like I could kind of guess what people would like and yeah. especially when you're not in Texas you can make fun of Texas and people will love it so yeah <laughs> there's that too that's just universal <laughs> right so that tour wraps up in late 2019. Is that early 2020. Right? Or early 2020. Yeah, All right. The last, and the... the last stop was February 2020. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, so I'm, you know, watching the social media and I'm seeing, you know, this, this rise of, of, of Allie and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, this, she's, she's going to, she's about to blow up. And then COVID happens. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> and yeah. uh how what kind of plans did you have uh lined up that you had to just completely abandon well jen was planning on so the the tour that we took 2019 to 2020 that got released as an amazon special so it's actually on amazon the naughty corner tour uh. Definitely type in the Naughty Corner tour because leave <laughs> off tour. It's something else. It's a lot of other Naughty Corners. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that got released in the spring, and the plan was to go on another tour at the end of 2020 into 2021. Um, and she was, I assumed she was going to bring me on that. Um, I I didn't get like clear confirmation, although I did have lunch with her the other day, and she 
a fan ran into us and like asked for pictures and Jen introduced me as the woman who'd be opening her next tour. So I was oh. like, yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that was the end of 2020 plan was to go on tour again. Yeah. And in the meantime, I did have like, th- I look at what I was doing before COVID and I'm like, I am a crazy person. Like <laughs> I had a weekly show at kind of tropical on, on the East side. And I had a twice a month show in North Austin at, at fourth tap. And, um, so I was running two shows while also going on this tour. So like sometimes, sometimes I would fly back from the tour on a Saturday morning and go to good set that night. Or like I did as much as I could to be here for my weekly and my twice a month show. Yeah. Um, and so the plan when I got back from tour was honestly just to chill for a little bit and like, you know, obviously do my shows. Um, but I wanted to chill. I wanted to like, you know, my, my online business, like I wanted to, probably get another client or two for that just to increase revenue a little bit. But like, I just, I wanted to just chill, and um, possibly start a podcast and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then when COVID hit, um, I just like by accident basically got involved with Big Laugh and they offered me the chance to do an online show that I liked the concept of. And Uh so I was like, well, I don't have my other shows right now. So like, screw it, let's do it. And just went a totally different direction but um but yeah I didn't have like I wasn't I wasn't planning like another tour by myself or like I wasn't hooked up with someone else to start opening another tour after Jen's ended until her following fall one yeah Um, but yeah I just that that no one expected that like I'm literally (laughs) I'm getting notifications right now I was in Sedona Arizona today last year with my mom like that was her birthday present for me. And I, and I just remember we flew back like on the 12th or something. And like the 15th was when everything closed down. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And and you jumped into our online show. I, your, your first set is still very memorable. It was my first time seeing you perform. Uh, Crowd work. Fun show. (laughs) Such a fun show. And I actually need to say thank you for like you guys put me on that I think three times. And I loved it every single time. And the way y'all ran that was just so good. And like it felt like a hang with comics. Like I just got to hang out with a bar with comics after the roast show for the first time in a year. And I missed it so much. And like your show always felt like that. And um I actually have done like several uh, like I got booked to do like some nonprofit show in India, but it was via Zoom. And so I like oh. did I did that a couple weeks ago. And your show specifically helped me so much with that because like I, there were just 50 people in this Zoom room staring at me. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do Zoom crowd work. Let's uh-huh. go. Like, <laughs> I don't know what else to do right now. <laughs> well, that's what I love about your attitude. And it just it just like it emanates from you that you're willing to try anything and and to me at this point it's like you know like you mentioned the jumping off the bridge like I was on a road trip in South Africa with my best friend and this past New Year's and we were planning on driving that route anyway and he was like what's some cool stuff that we can do on the route and he looked it up and that was the top hit was like the tallest bungee jump in the world is on this route and he was like cool, I'm going to do it. And I was like, well, are you dumb? Like, what? No. 
I have literally said so many times, I'm never going to bungee jump. Give me all of the other height things. I'm not going to bungee jump. And he was like, well, I'm going to do it. So, and I was like, well, shit, now I can't not do it. Like, I have to be at the place with you for two hours anyway. Now I can't not do it. And so that's kind of just always been my thing. I'm like, what's the benefit of not doing it? And then what's the benefit? Like, what's the possible benefit of doing it? It's like almost always doing it is more beneficial. And if, and it's like, if you do it and nothing comes of it, then like, you're just back to where you were. Like you didn't lose anything. (laughs) So (laughs) the important question, would you do it again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yes. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) It was terrifying. You posted a cool video. They do a little GoPro on you and I, I was terrified. Uh, I had to I had to have the talk with myself because I bought the tickets the day before uh-huh. and I woke up that day and I was like, all right, look, I woke up scared and I was like, <laughs> listen, bitch, you just paid money to do this. Like, uh-huh. this is 100 percent your choice. Um, I'm like looking up stats on how many people chicken out once they get out to the ledge. It's like only 80% of people actually jump once they're out there. I'm like, you're not going to be in the 20%. Like you can't do that. (laughs) And finally I just was like, okay, the physiological response of both nerves and fear is the same as excitement. It's just the way your brain is interpreting it based on the situation. Not just useful. It's great if you've got a weird guy following you around, but like, you know, you can usually convert it to excitement if you talk yourself into it. And so I just talked myself into being excited. And yeah. by the time, by the time I got to the bridge and had like the zipline strap on me and everything, I was ready to go. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> a fun you, experiment. <laughs> you also seem like the, the kind of personality that you would just hate to live with the regret of not having tried it. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's basically the ultimate question is like, if I say no to this, am I going to regret it later? And usually yeah. the answer is yes. So, so yeah. I'm like, shit, guess I'm jumping off something else high. Like, let's do it. Um, the, the, the collaboration with Big Laugh Comedy was something that was pretty evident uh, last year. You mentioned that you're working on their social media. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that whole enterprise has been a really nice development in the um, live comedy scene. Like, like Brendan is just kind of jumped in and taken a leadership role in in bringing amazing comedy to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is a super genuine guy. Uh, like, like, so short story on how I met him, Carter Anderson, uh, who's a comedian in town, um, was working with Brandon before the shutdown, just as like production help for his show called in the meme time, mm-hmm. which is like a live meme creation show for, for comics and stuff. And um, they had booked me on a live version of the show. Just like it, it literally was set to happen like the week after everything shut down or something. So we just missed like when we were able to do it. And so Carter was like, fuck it. Like, this show's already about memes. Like, we can put this online. Let's do it. And so Brandon just kind of was like, yeah, dude, like, we'll figure out the production stuff. And so that was the first Big Laugh comedy show. And Carter booked me on that because I had already been booked on the live one. Yeah. And me and this other guy, Ken Hamlet, 
just went off on this show. Like we <laughs> had so much fun. There's a final round called Oh Looking Ass where they just throw up pictures and like you've never seen the picture before and you're supposed to roast it on the spot and you get uh-huh. a point for every roast that hits. And so me and Ken were like competing to win and like we <laughs> we we almost tied. Ken barely beat me. And so like after the show, Brandon hit both of us up and was like, yo, y'all are really funny. Like, we'd love to give you a show on Big Laugh. We're going to try and make this a network. And we're like, cool. So that's how Triple Threat came about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of unfolded from there. Like, when COVID was really locked down, like, Big Laugh had a like at least a show every night of the week, sometimes mm-hmm. multiple shows every night. They had a bunch of producers online helping with everything. Um, and yeah once once restrictions started getting lifted and we figured out how to do live comedy brandon was like no one else is doing this like let's you know like our venue i don't know what deal he struck but our venue gave us a good budget to try and bring bigger names in so like he was able to just kind of start it from the beginning um you know and now now i know like his dream is to have the digital side and the in-person side still um, have a venue that can be a club and also like a content creation studio, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so, yeah, it's just kind of unfolded from there. And there, this week was insane. Like they have another show tonight, but they had a show Tuesday through today, Sunday. So like they had at least one show every single night this week. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's just been really interesting to see the development there and be able to help them out too. I've I've had several marketing meetings with Brandon before I was officially doing anything just to kind of like help him with strategy and like figure out what he's doing and stuff. Um, but yeah, he's making moves and yeah. I'm very, I'm very excited to see. And he's also very much like rising tide raises all ships. Like if, you know, if another club tries to be shitty, then he's like, well, that sucks. But like, <laughs> you know, he, he's not going to like make a comedian sign like a, a thing that says like, if I perform here, I won't perform anywhere else. Like he's mm. not like that. So yeah, um, it's really cool. Yeah. Now it's, uh, it's been fun to, to watch the post COVID landscape. You know, with... It's interesting. It's very different. I can't tell you how many Los Angeles people have asked me how much I hate the fact that everyone from Los Angeles is moving here. <laughs> Like, I don't hate y'all. Like, it's yeah. just interesting because it's not just LA. Like, all of the good people from all of the other scenes are moving here now, too, because mm-hmm. Austin is a lot more accessible than LA to people right. who didn't want to move to LA, you know? Right. Um, but right. yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be. I've met a lot of peeps so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the complaints about, about Austin pre-COVID is there's no industry here so you had to move to an LA or to a New York and with all these people and you know some very high profile obviously people moving here you you have to wonder is is the industry here that you know I think it is I mean because you know like what's happening right now is super unique too because like you know you have Vulcan which is the venue Big Laugh has been using and like Mm -hmm. They have like the Tuesday show and death squad's been doing their shows on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Like those are paid. Like you can get paid on those. And like before, you know, you could make like 10, 20, maybe 50 bucks on a local show. Like unless you were consistently working at cap city, like no one had a consistently paying comedy job here and no one was consistently working at cap. You know, they had their Rolodex of people they'd hit up. So if you were lucky, you were doing cap once a month. Yeah. Um, And 
yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see because like Big Laugh isn't the only place trying to open a new place like Cap City partnered with Helium. Mm-hmm. Um, there are opening a new one up north in the fall, like Creaking Cave is here. There's J- Rogan's place supposedly that he's building. There's yeah. possibly another one downtown coming in. That's kind of more secret. So it's like I think the industry is coming here. You know, the the thing is always like where can you make money at it that's where the industry is and anyone anyone who thinks making money for it is like selling out like what do you think a professional comedian is you know (laughs) like um that was that was always the talk I had in my head when it was like you know do you think you're ever going to move to Los Angeles or New York I didn't want to my whole life is here my family's here my boyfriend's here like all the things are here Mm -hmm. but it's like the talk in my head that I basically had was like, once I start making less money performing here than my, my colleagues in Los Angeles are making, then it's a time to be like, all right, there's more opportunity for me there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just got lucky with the tour and with Shitface Shakespeare and with my shows that I was running that I was making money at comedy, not moving to LA or New York. So I was like, all right, cool. That's it. Like, I'm going to do this for now. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's it's very interesting to see all of the opportunities uh, that are coming, because if you get on one of those lineups with Red Band or even Trevor show on Tuesdays at Vulcan, like like Jeremy Piven and uh, Brian Holtzman dropped in on Tuesday. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like you're, you're getting in <laughs> front of big names on like a lineup show, you know, it's 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 very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about it. Uh, with all of your your crazy schedule, you you uh, fit time in for a podcast. Sometimes <laughs> with, a, with another Allison, <laughs> with Allison Toombs, what uh, what struck up the idea for for starting your podcast? She wanted to do a podcast, and I had been wanting to do one for a while. Like I was thinking, I'd just do it by myself. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, the last the last thing we need is like a crazy person just sitting and talking <laughs> to themselves on the internet. Like I, the, all the ideas I was coming up with were so lame and cheesy. I was like, I don't want to do these. And so um, <laughs> Allie is one of my good friends from high school. She's a year younger than me. So we started the Allison Legacy in the theater group where uh, I was president and then she was president. So now it's a legacy. Um, <laughs> um but yeah we actually became better friends after high school like she moved to phoenix to go to school but then we like became really good friends and um so yeah she's one of my best friends and uh she is an overnight icu nurse at a children's hospital wow and yeah she went a slightly slightly more responsible route than me (laughs) and um (laughs) and but we we think very similarly like like we both kind of had the the type a goody two shoes thing um we both understand science uh she she more so on like the traditional western medical route like she had to do a lot more medical classes than i did but i understand i can speak that language but then i also understand a lot more of the eastern practices and like the alternative medicines and like root cause medicines so it's really interesting to talk with her about those things Mm -hmm. um and so we just called it all is on because it's a wordplay with our names like yeah. you mentioned in the intro and she spells her name the same and she basically wanted to just talk about anything like that's why we called it all is on like all is on the table what do you want us to talk about we're two white women from suburbia in texas <laughs> like you want to we want to be educated too like uh-huh. let's you know and 
And so we've we've done anything from like TikTok versus Vine discussion to like um, we we talk like you know some just like ridiculous shit like that to like we'll dive into to true crime like we try to find true crime shows or true crime stories that like aren't publicized so we've been noticing a lot of like people of color getting killed and things like that and no one talks about it because you know it's america and um so we'll talk about things like that we'll uh she had covid so we talked about her covid experience Mm -hmm. like we did a series on uh illegal drugs that could actually be therapeutic so we dove into mdma lsd ayahuasca like all these different ones and like you know it's it's uh it's very it's very fun. Um, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus. We've been kind of bad about scheduling, so we're actually on track to <laughs> start that again soon. But okay. um, but yeah, it's it's good. And you know, she does a lot of the research up front, and she tells me sometimes not to help with the research because she wants me to be surprised. Uh-huh. So I get to, I get to play the clown a little <laughs> bit on there. And she's like making dick jokes while she's trying to explain the stat. But yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to start winding up. Is there something that we haven't covered that that you want people to know about you? Um, oh, if you follow me on social media, you might see hunting pictures. <laughs> I was going to say Don't this. cancel me. <laughs> I was going to say this earlier because you, you said something in a way, uh, and I, I was going to give you credit for, like, expanding my horizons because I am not – I do not like the whole notion of hunting at mm-hmm. all. But, uh, and I, I, I admit the first time I saw a hunting picture on, on your, your social media, I'm like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. But I saw some of the comments and you said something about, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. And then I also, uh, from reading the comments, like you deal with it responsibly. Like you're not, you use the animal. Uh, if you yeah. can, and I, I don't know, I, you know, my mind expanded. I, st- I still hate the idea. I would, ne- I yeah. would never do it, but I'm like, oh, okay, I get it for her and her family, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a part of, um, it's just part of uh, your, your family's activities it together. Is. Yeah, I appreciate that, and yeah, it is, and like I a million percent like. Even just thinking about it in theory, you're like, why would someone ever go do that? Like, (laughs) I a million percent understand anyone that's not comfortable with it. Um, But yeah, the the TLDR on like my thing is, yeah, I was raised doing it. So it's not like something weird to me. Yeah. I eat meat. So I want to know where it's coming from. Um, And then if I'm the one harvesting it, then I can use all the parts that I need. Like I literally will save the bones to make broth. Like Mm -hmm. I save the organs that I'm able to eat, like Uh all the different things. And like, I have a lot of different deer pelts, like, like, you know, like I, (laughs) I, I save what I can on top of just the meat and, and we, we do all of it ourselves. So like, if we, if we harvest an animal, like we will take it from field dressing all the way to like the sausage production. Like we do all of it. And, and, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's something that everyone is entitled to having an opinion on, but there's, there's good answers from all angles. And I will say from any hunter I've ever met, most of them are doing it responsibly. Like I would say it's 99% of hunters are not being poachers. They're not being irresponsible. Like they're genuinely doing it to feed their families Mm -hmm. and, um 
and yeah and you know there's the argument that like posting the picture is just bragging and and all that stuff and there's definitely some of that for yeah. sure you know you're proud <laughs> that you got a big animal but um for me more than anything it's just like I post it because I like to have that discussion and like you know hear other people's perspective on why they're against it and then hopefully provide some education for why I'm for it yeah um but yeah, I will definitely lighten it up by saying Hunter's best roast of me on Thursday was that Allison is very loud about her hunting, but she does it very inhumanely. She starts, <laughs> yell- she starts yelling her jokes into the woods until the deer come running and stick their mouth on her gun. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. That is so that is good. So good. <laughs> Oh, that hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, hopefully neither of us get canceled for having an honest discussion about hunting. (laughs) Cancel me if y'all are going to cancel anyone. I'm the one hunting. You can go join the rest of the vegans. Someone tagged... Someone tagged PETA in my last hunting picture. That's why I got so much hate comment. Like, I didn't know any of those people that were being mean to me on that post. There's probably 400 comments on there. But I will say, of the 400 comments, probably 200 of them are comedians trolling the people telling me to go kill myself. Like, there were a lot of comedians jumping in on my behalf and just, like, messing with the people. (laughs) It's a pretty fun read. Well, on that note, (laughs) let's close out with my closing question. Are you ready? Yes. One word to describe your future. Exciting. I think that's a great fit. (laughs) I'm excited to see what you have uh, coming up next for you. It's just been so much fun to watch watch uh you like just burst on the scene and take these cool opportunities and less so the uh, jumping off the bridge <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that it's, it's been a lot of fun yeah just say yes more people <laughs> yeah say yes <laughs> well that is a wrap on comedy way and presents allison voidovich tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know what uh you have upcoming Hell yeah. Um, so you can find my podcast, the all is on podcast on all the platforms. Um, it's spelled as three words. Um, and then my Instagram and TikTok, cause I'm so annoying. Are at <laughs> Alliwo, A-L-L-I-W-O. My Twitter is the Alliwo cause some bitch stole Alliwo. Um, and then, yeah, upcoming, I just have a bunch of shows. I don't even know. I've got a bunch of shows around town this week. You can find all those on aliwo.com. Um, and then, yeah, I just got word that my show that I mentioned, the twice a month show at Fourth Tap can come back. So um, Blake Bowles and I used to co-host it, but Blake just handed the mantle off to me. So it is my show now. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So we'll be we'll be announcing more on that soon. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you can also follow Big Laugh Comedy Network on Instagram. I'll be posting for them. So <laughs> very <Yeah>. good. <laughs> good to know who to ask when I've got a question about yeah, the social literally. media. <laughs> I'm the one in charge now, bitch. <laughs> Don't yeah. ask for Brandon, ask for Allison. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. <laughs> 
And the, that fourth tap show, you will be sure to list that on the uh, Comedy Wham events calendar, correct? Yes, I will. As soon as we get dates, it will be up there. <laughs> very, very good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Allison Voidovich, everyone, got to be a comedic genius and firecracker that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham presents Allison Voidovich. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Allison. Thank you.